0: So we've just finished our 40 days series, prayer and fasting series, and we've been looking during that at rhythms of discipleship, so things that we can do to help us stay close to Jesus. Um, And although 40 days is officially over, um, excitingly, we still have one more rhythm of discipleship to look at. So Rich is going to be speaking to us this morning about the very important rhythm of community. But before he does that, I'm going to read from Acts 2, verses 40 to 47, that I think will come up on the screen as I read. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves, from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So let's make Rich feel very welcome as he comes to speak. Thank you so
1: much. Really, really good to be- Spoken with before. My name is Rich. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at King's. Still fairly recently back from a three month sabbatical. So it's so good uh, to be with you this morning. I love that time of worship. What a powerful time of worship. And just so good uh, to be together. As Ruth said, we are ending our Disciples Speaking series. Today, part of our 40 days of prayer and fasting, and let's be honest, we are really stretching this out. Now, I think this is the ninth Sunday of our 40 days um, series, and in the 40 days guide, this preach is described as a bonus preach. So we are really, really spoiling you uh, with this. And as we talk about the rhythm of community, I want to contend that what we're talking about today, actually, this is not a bonus. This is not an add-on. This is not an, an optional extra. Actually, when we're talking about community, this is central to you and me flourishing and becoming all that God has made us to be. Your discipleship and my discipleship, it was never meant to be an individual pursuit. We grow in the context of community. And you see this in the passage that Ruth just read out. The context of this passage in Acts 2 is that the promised Holy Spirit has just been poured out on the early followers of Jesus. There was a group of about 120 believers gathered together and a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes and all the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a massive crowd outside in the city, people from all over the world, and they're wondering what on earth has happened to these believers. Some people think they're drunk. And then Peter, who's full of the Holy Spirit, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, he gets up and preaches about Jesus and Scripture says that people are cut to the heart and they repent and they're baptised and 3,000 are added in one day. And the church as we know it is born. And so this passage that we've just heard answers the question, what does a spirit-filled church look like? What does a spirit-filled church look like? And what does it look like? Well, notice that all the rhythms that we've looked at in this disciple Series are there in that passage in Acts 2. The rhythm of scripture as they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, prayer, power, generosity, freedom, worship, all of those rhythms of discipleship are there in that passage as it describes the early church. But there's one other thing that you cannot help but notice, and it's the togetherness, it's the oneness, it's the beautiful countercultural community of these followers of Jesus. So as we bring this series into land this morning, I'm going to speak into the importance of community. And, and as I do this, I think for some of you there is an invitation today to take a step closer in to the family that God is building here. See, God is not building an institution or an organisation or an enterprise here. He is building a family and you're a part of that family. And for others of you, actually, maybe you know you're already really, really committed to this church family. Maybe you've been part of this family for years and years and years. Some of you maybe since it was born. And for you, I hope that this morning is an encouragement to keep going, not, not to drift, not to step back from community, but to keep giving yourself to this family of God. So why don't we pray together and then we'll, and then we'll dig into this. Lord, Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you for your presence as we worship together. with sung worship this morning. Uh, thank you for your presence here right now. That's your promise to us that you're here with us by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we want to become the church that you want us to be. So we pray that you'd help us today. I pray that you'd encourage us. I pray that you'd equip us. I pray you'd challenge us and stir us. And Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us all the more we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are three things that I want us to focus on today as we talk about community our longing for community, the cost of community, and the power of community. So, first of all, our longing for community. As part of my sabbatical, I spent some time down in Cornwall where I grew up. And and I spent four days on my own walking on the North Cornwall coast path from, from Padstow down to Hales. Beautiful bit of coast. Some of you may know it. There's me. Uh, looking very relaxed on the coast path. Uh, It's a stunning bit of coast path. And there were several moments where I just had to stop on that walk and just go, wow. Like moments where all I could see in almost every direction was sea. There was time where I I kind of looked down from the cliffs and I saw seals resting on the sand and, and playing in the sea. There were beaches that I walked on that seemed to go on for miles and miles and miles. And I loved this walk, and naturally, I'm, I'm quite introverted, so I recharge with space and quiet, and I really appreciated the solitude and the time alone with God. But even for me, as I looked out on one stunning scene after another, something was missing, and it was this. I had no one to share it with. So after two days, I noticed that I was talking to myself out loud on the coast path. I even told myself a joke at one point out loud that, that didn't land very well, but... By day three, I was trying to start a conversation with anyone that I could see. So I would talk to people in coffee shops, even though I didn't need a coffee particularly. Families on the beach just trying to have a quiet day together. Probably thinking, who is this weirdo? And I just longed for connection with people. And perhaps more than ever, I understood this, that we are made for community. We're made to do life with others. There is something deep within us that just longs to connect and to be known, and to belong to community. It's in the core of who we are. And you know, these days, of course, that word community is everywhere. There are all kinds of communities built around all kinds of common interests. So there are things like running communities, and cycling communities, and neighbourhood communities, and school communities, and coffee communities, and online communities. Basically, whatever you're into, there's likely to be a community of people that is united around it. And community, when it's done well, can be a really, really good thing. It's necessary. It's good for us. And actually, we live in a time when, although in some ways we're more connected than ever before through things like social media, actually many people right now feel lonely and isolated. People talk about there being a loneliness pandemic right now. And it's not good. And studies have been done into the impact of this. So the US Surgeon General warned recently that being socially disconnected has a similar effect on life expectancy to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. It's a shocking headline. Community is important and community done well can be a really good thing. And you may be part of all kinds of different communities and they may have very positive things about them, but here's the thing, they're not the church. See, community is not man's idea. It's God's idea. It comes from God. It's in his very nature. God himself exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons existing in perfect, loving community. And out of that love, he made human beings to exist and to thrive in relationship with him and in relationship with one another. And you see the importance of human community when you read the creation account in the book of Genesis. As God creates the light and the seas and the land and the plants and living creatures, it says God saw that it was good. God made human beings and he saw that it was very good. But then in Genesis 2, it says it's not good. What was not good? Well, it says it's not good for man to be alone. We were made for relationship with God and relationship with God with one another. And the church, the, the, the church community is the family of God. This is not just another community united by a common interest. Now we're united by the gospel. Scripture says once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. He's chosen us and rescued us and set us apart. We've been forgiven and set free and filled with his spirit to live a new life. And when we come together like we are this morning, it's to praise God for what he's done. And and you see that in the early church as they studied scripture, as they prayed together, as they broke bread and ate together. The passage says that with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God together for all that he had done. See, their shared lives were lives of praise and thanksgiving. They thanked God for what he'd done and what he was doing in their lives. And something happens when we do this together, John shared this quote from C.S. Lewis on our first Wednesday night celebration a few weeks back. I think it bears repeating. C.S. Lewis said this He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise does not merely express but completes the enjoyment. The delight itself is incomplete until it's expressed. And what he's saying is this, is that when you find something beautiful, there's just something about that thing that makes you want to grab someone else and say, look at that. See, this is why my enjoyment of the Cornish coast felt incomplete on my own, as stunning as it was. It's because joy isn't completed until it bursts out of you to somebody else. And the more beautiful an object is, the more it demands to be praised and the more it needs to be shared with others who praise it too. Because when we praise, we're not simply expressing our joy, we're completing our joy. And what are we praising when we come together as the community of God? Well, we're praising Jesus. We're praising the one who died for us and who gave us life. When we gather with others in the church, we're joining with others who've experienced the joy and the beauty of the gospel And it's as we thank Jesus together for what he's done in our lives in the past and what he's doing right now that we get to know him better. I had a preacher recently put it like this, that God made you so that you cannot experience him until you experience him beside other people. And I think there's a real truth in that. We can have revelation of God as individuals, but it's not until we experience him with others, as we see him through the lens of community, that we get a fuller, deeper picture of the beauty of the gospel and of the depth of what Jesus has done for us. Discipleship happens in community. So I wanna encourage you to do something weird, to look around the room right now. Just, just look around the room at, at other people. in right, It's a bit weird. <laughs> just give people a wave or a little awkward smile if you want to. You can do that. Sorry, this probably doesn't. <laughs> it's good. I appreciate this is, a, this is a bit harder, by the way, if you're watching at home, but just kind of wave at the, at the screen. That's, that's fine. These are your brothers and sisters. Maybe some of you have got brothers and sisters in the nine o'clock meeting as well. But this is, this is family. This is, these are your brothers and sisters. See, your salvation is not an individual thing. God has gifted you with family, with brothers and sisters in the church. And so the question I want to ask you is this. It's who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with through the ups and downs of life? Who's alongside you? See, we're made with a deep longing that can only be satisfied in relationship with God and relationship with other people. We grow as disciples in the context of community. And of course, that doesn't mean it's always easy. There's a cost to community. There's a cost to community. And As you see this, when you read that, that account of the church in Acts 2, you get that sense of personal cost. Because as the truth of the gospel pierces people's hearts, as as they understand who Jesus is, it doesn't just change their beliefs. It changes their whole lives. It changes their diaries. It affects their finances. The passage says that every day they met together in the temple and in each other's homes. Every day. See, one meeting just wasn't enough for them. They couldn't get enough of each other. And we're talking about a lot of people here. There were 120 followers plus 3,000 new believers who were added in response to Peter's preach. And they're people from all different cultures and backgrounds. And suddenly they're in each other's lives and they're in each other's homes. That sounds a bit messy. That sounds a bit inconvenient even. And no one made them do it. No one coerced them into it. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the fellowship. I looked into that word devoted. It means to stick to something determinedly. To stick to something determinedly. There was a stickiness about these early believers. It was like you couldn't get them apart from one another. You couldn't keep them apart. Or another commentator describes that word devoted like this To be devoted is to persist obstinately to something. I quite like that, to persist obstinately. There's a stubbornness about it. It's to stick to the family of God even when it's hard, even when it means personal sacrifice and cost, even if it means being alongside people that you'd never normally hang out with. So I love being down here at the center on Wednesday nights when small groups are running and seeing people from Alpha and Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, our discipleship experiences. I love seeing the wonderful life and the diversity in the building. You've got people who've been Christians for, for years, many, many years, mixing with brand new believers. People of all kinds of different ages, different ethnic backgrounds, different social backgrounds, people who think differently, people who vote differently. I love it. And you know, you only really get that in the church, there's nothing else like it. The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, just after he became a Christian, said he soon realised something about the church community. This was an educated man, but when he began to minister in a small village in Wales, he said, I suddenly realised I would rather talk about the Lord all day with the humblest old fisherwoman than to sit at a club with my social peers in the company of the highest circles who don't know him. He said, I realised there was a commonality between us that was deeper than national ties, deeper than racial ties, deeper than biological ties, deeper than political ties. I love that. That's the family of God. And being part of this family brings you into community with all kinds of different people, all united around Jesus. One thing we do in chapter one is we share stories. And we ask questions to help people share their story. Questions like, What were you like before you met Jesus? What kinds of things did you spend your, your time doing? What were your desires like? What were your fears like? And then we ask, How did you meet Jesus? Where were you when you met him? How did you encounter him? And how has he changed you? What has he changed in your life? And sharing stories like that are a great leveler. And you know, that costs. It costs if you do that well because it requires vulnerability, it requires honesty. It requires openness about your your faults and your failings. We've had people who've been Christians for many, many years being willing to say, look, I still don't have it all together. I still have plenty of rough edges, areas of my life where I need God to continue the work that he's begun in me. And you know, when we share stories like that, when we're vulnerable like that, it unites people, it brings people together. Do you have that? Do you have that kind of community where you're known? Are you part of a small group? Do you prioritise it? If not, can I encourage you to get into a small group? Sign up, start again in September. We've got a a group that's running right through the summer. Get connected in. Who are you walking with in the church? And can I just say to our our young people, I loved kind of getting alongside you guys and praying for you this morning and seeing many young people as well in the nine o'clock meeting. Do you know what? I love what God is building here amongst you young people. I think he is building a tight community of young people who just love each other's company, love being in church, just seem to love being together. And as you get older, maybe maybe this is happening even now, there will be a pull away from church and away from this community. And it will be strong. And you may even see friends that are here right now who are pulled away from this church community, pulled away from church. And I want to encourage you, get alongside them. Get alongside them. Even perhaps at New Day this week, you're there and people might start to say, do you know what, I might give the meetings a miss and just stay back at the tent. I want to encourage you, get alongside them, put your arm around them, invite them in to the meetings. Do you know that this community that God is building here is so important? And what God has for you young people is so much better than anything that the world has for you. And God has given you this community of brothers and sisters to get alongside each other and to speak truth to one another. So I want to encourage you to to stay stuck in to this community of God. And you know, listen, we can all drift from community, we are all prone to it. Togetherness and oneness and community, it requires being intentional, it doesn't just happen. One term or semester away from a small group can quickly become two and before you know it it's three or four years since you had community with others and we have an enemy who prowls around looking for someone to devour, looking for those who are on the fringe and he would love you to be so busy with other things that you step back from church. Don't do it. Don't do it. Next week, we have no meetings here at King's, as you heard, but it's a chance to go and be the church wherever we are, maybe to gather with people in a small group, maybe to gather with friends. A group of us will be down at the Rye for a picnic at 12.30. I want to encourage you, just come and join us, particularly if you're perhaps on the fringes um, of community here, you don't know too many people here, just come along to that picnic, get to know people, get to know this family of God. We have to be intentional about this, particularly in an individualistic culture like ours. I would say it's every bit as important as being deliberate about your prayer life, about reading the Bible, that we're intentional about community. Are you part of a small group here? And do you have those friends, maybe just a few, maybe just one or two, who you know you can share anything with? Do you have people who you could sit down with for a beer or a coffee and ask the really, really tough questions? People who who actually, when they ask you how you're doing, you know you can say not great right now. There's this area of life where I'm really, really struggling. I'm finding this hard. There's this one temptation that I'm finding really hard to resist. Do you have friends that you can be honest with? Do you have friends who've seen the very worst version of you and who love you anyway? People who are so close that you celebrate their successes like they're yours and you mourn their losses like they're your own. Do you have friends like that? You know, it costs living in genuine community. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes vulnerability. But this is what it means to belong. See, there's a massive difference, isn't there, between attending and belonging. Because you can attend a service, you can attend an event. And attending asks much less of you. With attending, you can show up late and you can leave before things get messy. Without giving of yourself. But belonging is much different. Belonging asks you to invest and it asks you to sacrifice. I think one of the times of greatest growth in my own discipleship was perhaps when we were first asked to serve in the youth work here at King's. My wife Alice and I were in our mid-twenties and I'd never done youth work before. I hadn't the first idea how to lead a bunch of teenagers. And we were given this group of young people, great group of young people, who I quickly realised were serious about following Jesus. And they wanted answers. And if anyone's going to ask you the tough questions in life, it's teenagers. And if anyone's going to spot a fluffy, shallow answer and spot you when you're being hypocritical, it's teenagers. And it was challenging. And I remember remember sitting in a pub with one of the other leaders saying, "How, how do we lead a group of people who are more spiritually hungry than we are? And actually, I soon realised that if I'm going to lead this group, I need to be serious about my own discipleship. I need to get to know Jesus better. I need to think, what does the Bible say about this thing that they're asking me? What do I think about that issue? I needed to press into God myself to be able to give out. I needed God to fill me with his spirit and his wisdom. And I grew in that time because I had to. And you know, before long, we had a bunch of teenagers in our home every Sunday night and every Tuesday night. For a time, that was our rhythm of community. They were crammed into our lounge. They were sitting up the stairs because the lounge was so small. They were eating all our biscuits and they were wrecking our sofas. And you know, there's a cost to that. But God blessed us hugely through it. And by the time they were 16, 17, 18, many of those teenagers treated our home like their own and they come in and they go for the fridge and they'd make themselves a drink. And now we see those teenagers as part of our family. They've grown up and we get to go to their weddings and they look after our kids and that is community. God has blessed us in wonderful ways through serving in the church. Are you serving in the church community? There are lots of analogies in the New Testament to describe the church and one of the ways the church is pictured is as a body. So Romans 12 verses 4 to 5 says for each just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You're a part of the body of Christ and we belong to one another. You need the community of God and the community of God needs you. And God has given you gifts to serve in the body, gifts that will strengthen the body and gifts that will grow you as you're using them. Are you using the gifts that God has given you? If not, where can you step in? Where might God be calling you to serve? For some of you, there may be gifts that you have that you won't know you have until you step out and use them. And yes, all of this costs. But maybe it's in the cost, maybe it's in the sacrifice that we become more like Jesus. See, that is the ultimate goal of our discipleship. That is the the Father's great plan for our lives, is that we're conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus, the one who gave himself up for the church, the one who laid his life down for his bride, If we want to become more like Jesus, it only happens in community because you can't love without community. You can't sacrifice without community. You can't forgive and you can't show grace apart from community. We have to be in this family of God. John Stott said, I'm assuming that we are all committed to the church. We're not only Christian people, we are church people. We're not only committed to Christ, we're also committed to the body of Christ. At least I hope so. For the church lies at the very centre of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. Community comes with a cost, but it's only through community that we grow. And lastly... I just want to speak into the power of community. I want you to imagine for a moment what the early church must have looked like to outsiders. Just think how stunning and countercultural it would have been to see Jew and Gentile and male and female and slave and free, this amazing, diverse group of people from all kinds of different cultures and different status just being built together. All one in Christ. It would have been stunning. And it was clearly attractive. Acts 2:47 says, "And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." Do you know, that kind of authentic, loving community is just as attractive today. It has just as much power to witness, because people out there in our town are still longing for community. They're still crying out for genuine, authentic relationships. And a church that loves one another, that truly loves one another, is a powerful witness. And sometimes actually the only way that people can understand and appreciate the truth of the beauty of the gospel is when it's lived out in community, where the love of Jesus is practised in the midst of the brokenness of life. That is a powerful witness. That is attractive. That's what attracted me to the church here at King's. When we first came to King's, uh, nearly 20 years ago, I found the Sunday meetings really hard. Actually, it was totally different to any different to any experience that I'd had before of church. But what drew me in was a group of believers who were committed to living this stuff out day after day in their everyday lives. Not perfect, but trying to live this stuff out together. And those people are now my closest friends. There is power in community. And I had the privilege of visiting lots of churches on sabbatical in Wickham, in London, in Birmingham, in other towns and cities. And do you know what? I was so encouraged by the church. I was so encouraged by the church. And do you know, I'm not naive. I appreciate there are lots of reasons right now. Maybe there always have been lots of reasons of why we can feel let down by the church. And disappointed by the church and hurt by leaders that we've trusted and this is not in any way a defense of that. But I want to tell you that I was so encouraged by what I saw in the church. I saw leaders contending for the gospel. I saw communities of people in different places worshipping together and opening the Bible together and praying together and seeking to try and live out the gospel together in their everyday lives. Not so unlike the early church. And you know I came back here And we're so encouraged by what God is doing here. Because Jesus is building his church here. And you know, there's no perfect church. And no church does community perfectly. Each church is full of people and leaders who can be messy and inconsistent and complicated and broken. And each church is structured around systems that don't always function perfectly. But I want to say this to you. Don't give up on the church. Let us not give up on meeting together. Why? Because Jesus hasn't given up on his church. This is still his church. This is still his body. This is still his bride, his kingdom army. And Jesus' response to the brokenness and the darkness of this world is still to look at a bunch of people like you and me and to bring us close together and to fill us with his Holy Spirit and to say, you are the light of the world. Now go and love one another and love this world. This is how the world will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. So as I finish, John wrote in his introduction to this disciples series, he wrote, we're living in tumultuous times that, need a church, that needs a church that shines brightly with the light and love of Jesus. We're living in tumultuous times that need a church that shines brightly with the light and love of Jesus. Well, how do we do that? The writer Madeleine Lingal said this. She said, we draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. How do we shine with the light and the love of Jesus? Well, we'll do it by building a family that loves one another, that lays down our lives for each other, even when it costs. Our call is to grow as disciples and to make disciples, and that is never, ever an individual pursuit. We do that alongside brothers and sisters in the context of community. Amen? Amen? Amen. So cast the band to come back up. We are going to worship in a moment, and then we'll see where the Lord wants to take the rest um, of our time together. But I would love to pray for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, if we're going to become the church that God is calling us to be, We need the Spirit of God. So can I ask you to stand if you're happy to do that and you're in the room? Might be some of you here, actually, you've never experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit. It might be some of you, actually, you've been Christians for many, many years. I want to pray for all of us to receive a fresh touch of the presence of God. So you might just want to put out your hands as a sign of just being open to God. Wanting to fill you. He's here today. He loves you. And church, we need him. We need the power and the presence of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Lord, we're not here by accident we are here because, Lord, you've welcomed us in here and you've called us in here and you've stirred us in all kinds of different ways, Lord God. And we're here because you want us here, Lord. And I thank you that you know our hearts. And Lord, we know that we can be so lacking without you. Actually, we lack love. We lack grace. We lack compassion for one another. Lord, we can think way too much of ourselves and way too little of you and too little of your church, too little of each other. Lord, I pray for a filling right now of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you come and you drench us with the love and the presence and the power of God. Lord, where we feel dry, Lord God, I pray for a fresh presence of God to come right now. Thank you, Lord where we feel apathetic towards the church and towards others, Lord God, towards you. I pray for the power of God to fall in this place right now. I pray you'd stir us. I pray you'd challenge us. I pray you'd encourage us. I pray you'd equip us. And Lord, I pray for a wonderful revelation of Jesus in this place. I thank you that that's what you did in the early church, Lord, as the Holy Spirit came. You gave them sharp revelation, Lord, of who you were. I pray that in this room right now and people watching at home right now, I pray for a revelation of Jesus that transforms us and changes us, that sends us out of here different. Lord, that we, that we bubble over, Lord God, with the presence of Jesus that we would go out of this place and not be able to stop talking about you, not be able to stop thinking about you, Jesus, because of our powerful revelation of who you are. Come in this place, I pray, and fill us, fill your church with your Holy Spirit. This is your church, Lord, set apart for you, for your plans and your purposes. Lord, we need your presence. Fill us, we pray, with your Holy Spirit. Pray a fresh touch of the presence of God in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come and do what only you can do. Fill us with your presence, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.